I thought I had to wait until I had enough passive income to pay the bills to go do what I loved, which was like teaching, helping other people. I realized in hindsight, I didn't need to do any of that. I didn't actually have to start a real estate business at all. All right, another interview at Deals Today podcast, but this time it's a little different. I'm not gonna be getting too much in the nitty gritty here with Brian Elwood because fortunately for him, he's changed his business model. Unfortunately for us, we don't get to see him anymore. And uh, what I mean, it sounds depressing, but what I mean by that is Brian Elwood, he's shifted from business to business to business, finding out what his true passion is, finding out what he really enjoys doing, who he, li- who he loves helping out. He's gone from corporate world into Hating that, he absolutely hated that corporate world, going to building a $1 million a year wholesaling business in four years. He had a mentor to help him do that. He built it up. He became the CEO. He had people in place, actors and managers, admins, COOs. He had those people in place. It was a million dollar a year business, gross revenue, of course. Whenever people state to you how much they make a year, understand that's probably their gross, not their net. But and he made that clear to me on, on behind the, the, the scenes talk. And he went from there to hating that part, hating that business, hating being a CEO, and then building a small passive portfolio of single family houses, of rentals, where it pays off all his expenses plus more. At the same time, he's coaching people how to do the same, how to build a portfolio to help them leave their W-2 job. Now he's transitioned into being a coach for coaches, helping people build a client-based business, helping people build a coaching business. And so if you're listening to this, you're thinking, oh, this isn't for me. I didn't leave you hanging, okay? Because towards the middle, we talk about how to choose markets for cash flow. That's what he's good at. That's what he's done. That's what he teaches people. That's what he has teached people to do is finding the right market and the right market is key. And I 100% agree. Finding the right market is key. It could be your backyard, of course, but for him, he teaches people how to find the markets that are inexpensive, low competition, but have cash flow in it, not the depressed markets, the ghetto markets where there's class D neighborhoods. So we talk about the criteria for finding a good cash flowing market and what's what he has done for choosing his portfolio. But in all in all, the whole interview is about choosing something that you love doing. It's not about following the money. I mean, money is important. Don't get me wrong. Money is extremely important. But if you're going to be making money, you might as well do it while doing something that you love doing. To quote Dan Kennedy, who says, build a business to your preference. You don't have to follow somebody's business model to the T. He does something completely different to you. She does something that you hate doing. Whatever it is, you need to build it to how you love doing things, how you like doing things. It could be in real estate, it could be outside of real estate. My story is equivalent to this. I flipped mobile homes, I flipped land, I've chased wholesaling deals, and I hated a lot of it. For me, real estate is a passive income source. I love doing deals every once in a while. I don't love chasing deals every month per month per month. I enjoy creating content. I enjoy writing. I have a knack for it. So I've shifted over to this, to this podcast, and to the to the daily emails that I write. And if you're not tuned into that, I highly suggest getting on there where I give you daily tidbits on marketing, copywriting, business, real estate in general. I'm not a real estate guru like Brian Elwood here. I, I'm not going to teach you how to flip houses. I'm not going to teach you how to find rentals unless I sell a, a course on that from somebody else. But I will teach you how to market and how to copyright. That's what I've done with clients. 
So anyway, that's the whole gist of, of this podcast. Tune into it. I think it's highly important for somebody's mindset to really build your business the way you like it. And this doesn't mean changing your business completely. It just means adapting, doing the things you enjoy doing. If you enjoy doing sales, stick with sales. If you hate doing it, you might have to look into partnering or or getting out of that or putting somebody in place, acquisition manager that does enjoy doing that. My good friend, Andy, he's been Andy Teasley. A lot of you listening to this know who he is. He's been in real estate for a couple decades or more, I think three decades. And he's been in real estate, the game. He's been in many avenues, many niches. He loves making deals. He absolutely loves it. He loves getting with sellers, fixing their problem, constructing a creative deal. Then he can sell that to investors and making those investors happy as well. He loves this part of the business and you might too, but you won't know unless you try. So tune into the whole thing. And of course, again, like I said, if you're not on my daily list, go to realestateaudios.com. You had your nine to five, you worked a nine to five in the corporate world. What gave you the decision or what was the catalyst to get you out of that? Well, I just hated it, man. Like I was depressed. You know, I would wake up and just feel sick when my alarm clock went off and I had to go to work. Did you have a family at that time? No, just a girlfriend. Didn't even have a dog at that point, I don't think. Didn't have a lot of responsibility. So you were young. Yeah, I was in my mid-20s, if you call that young. And um, I'm trying to think, like, I think I just quit out of just like being so sick of it. I had bought my first house, like just a personal home. And they were given like the tax rebate on houses. And I got like a check for eight grand back from buying a house for like 80,000. And uh, I was, I thought I was rich, man. Cause I also got like a tax refund on my, you know, tax return for two grand, like people normally get. So I had like 10 grand. That was like, I'm quitting my job and I'm going to go sit on the couch and figure out what I want to do with my life. And I thought I just wanted to sit out on the couch, but that got old after like three or four days. And I went and worked at a grocery store because the 10 grand ran out in like five months. I made it last as long as I could. I was like sitting around buying Amazon stuff all day. So I had to go get a job for like nine bucks an hour at a grocery store. And then I met a guy there who flipped houses in Nashville. That's where all this went down, Nashville, Tennessee. And he taught me, took me under his wing and taught me how to wholesale. And at the same time, I, got, I went through all the Kiyosaki books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cashflow Quadrant. And uh, I think I might see a purple book on your shelf back there. I can't tell if that's it or not, but. Well, I do have it. I, I do have Kiyosaki. That one is a tax-free wealth. Okay. Yeah. I know if there's purple on somebody's shelf, it's about <laughs> passive income. So yeah, that's that's what led me into wholesaling, which then led me to like rentals and all that. So you grew a wholesaling business and it took you about four years of building it, right? It took about four years of building it to a million dollar a year business with a team of 10 people. Is that right? Yeah. It started out like, you know, I mean, my first year I just found deals for that mentor and made like eight grand. The next year I was like, I can do this on my own. And then I made over a hundred and it just kept growing from there. Once we brought on like an acquisition manager, we really took off because he was going on appointments all day long. So we grew it to doing a little over a hundred deals a year, making one to 1.5 million. And we stayed at right around there for four years at that size. So it was cool. Like I made a nice chunk of money, you know, on my on my taxable income each year, more than I ever had. And but like I hated it because I'd wake up and 
it was a job. I was the CEO, you know, and when you have a bunch of people that are like looking to you for leadership and management, it's not just like kick your feet up and make money. I mean, you got to lead that team, check the KPIs, check the profit and loss statements, hold everyone accountable, communicate the vision. You got to go get coached so you can stay sharp. And then you, so even once you delegate everything, you're still like what CEO has an easy job, right? They actually have like arguably the hardest job. And so then I got frustrated with that. I got into, uh, I realized like, dude, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad for passive income. And then I just switched gears. I accumulated a portfolio of like a few dozen rental properties. So I was able to pay the bills. And then I shut down the wholesaling, said, I'm done doing this. We also did fix and flips. So I walked away from that. And then I got into what I'd always wanted to do, which was teaching and helping other people. Like I knew this from an early age. I went to college to be a professor. I knew I wanted to teach. So I got into that and I did that for three years. But to back up a little bit, guys, like I thought I had to wait until I had enough passive income to pay the bills to go do what I loved, which was like teaching, helping other people. I realized in hindsight, I didn't need to do any of that. I didn't actually have to start a real estate business at all. Like I could have just started where I was and taught people what I knew today at whatever that point was, right? And grew from there in an authentic way. So just a quick shout out to everyone out there. If you have a dream, if you have a passion that you want to get to one day, don't make up this story that you have to make tons of money or once you're financially in a different spot, then you can give yourself permission to go. You don't know how much time you have to do this, right? We don't know how many days we have. There's a way to do what you love now. So that was a big aha I had after I got across that proverbial financial freedom finish line that everyone wants to get to. I know everyone listening here is like, oh, I just had passive income, could quit my job. I get it, you know, for sure. I, I wanted it so bad too when I was there. So I got into coaching, been coaching people on how to buy rental properties for about three years now. And as I shared with you off the recording, I'm now switching gears to helping people become coaches, helping people start a passion business where they help clients in some way, where they spread their message to the world. That's what I'm focusing on now. I'm still going to teach people real estate kind of on the back end of that program, help them invest the money once they grow their business. But that's my uh, true passion right now. And so that's what I'm getting into. Now, some people might say, I've heard very successful people talk about, you know, don't follow the passion that doesn't pay the bills. So I want to hear your take on that. I have my own. I kind of disagree with that. Maybe it's the definition of passion that, that we disagree. But what's your take on that? Well, that's a great question, man, because you see so many people that try to follow their passion and they fail. You're familiar with the term starving artist. It's like someone who's like, nah, I'm going to be a poet for a living, or I'm going to like be a singer songwriter, or I'm going to write, I'm going to paint pictures. And they're making, you know, 20 grand a year, barely scraping by doing that for a living. And uh, everyone's looking at them like, yeah, you know, they tried to follow their passion. Look how it's working out. You know, they're driving a 1980 Subaru or whatever still. And they're struggling all the time asking me for money. What that comes down to, because there's very successful people in, in every, just about every field too. So you have to get really good at marketing and sales to follow your passion. If your passion is being a musician, you can't just sit in your house and play a guitar and expect that to work out. 
You've got to learn how to go out and market yourself, sell yourself, build a following. You're going to have to learn online marketing, obviously, and build a following on all the social media channels. So you have to figure that out. That I believe you can do whatever you want, basically, like, you know, within reason. Like, I don't think I could play in the NBA. But if you just pick something out of a hat and said, Brian, you know, go make this work as a career, I could do it. But if it wasn't something I was passionate about, it would actually be a lot harder. I think that passion is like the gasoline in the car that helps you go places. If you're not excited about something like me with the wholesaling business, you're just going to quit as soon as it's not giving you what you want anymore. And if you don't even have to listen to me and Paul, like Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, they've all said to follow your passion. They've all said that that is the bedrock of a business. That's the foundation because when the going gets tough, which it will in any business, you will not quit if it's something that you're passionate about. You, you need resilience as an entrepreneur to make something happen. And so if the purpose of your business is to make money, if money is the purpose and the money goes away for any reason, that means the purpose went away. And so you will literally just peace out and go do something else. So you've shifted gears and I can relate because I've shifted plenty of times. You've shifted from wholesaling, actually corporate America wholesaling, building your portfolio, then building a coaching business that helps people build that portfolio. What was wrong with that third business model? Why was there no passion there and, and why why shift again? Well, there was passion there. So it's interesting. This is, uh, you've heard of the term like core values, right? Your, your core values. But a lot of people think that just means like honesty or something like that. But really core values are just what you care about the most, what you think about, talk about, you lay awake at night thinking about, you read about, you get excited about, those are your core values. And your core values actually are created by voids that you perceive having in your life. Okay. So people that are really excited about passive income don't feel like they have enough passive income, right? They perceive a void. It's like, dude, I need my finances are messed up. And so the void creates the value of finances, financial freedom, passive income. This is so important to me. I've got to figure this out. And so when I didn't have financial freedom, that was really important to me, right? It was my like number one core value, you know, financial freedom. So I figured that out. Once I figured out the finances in my life, that void went away. And so the value dropped. And so I taught it for a while, but my passion for it had sort of faded, if that makes sense. And now my number one focus is growing my coaching business, right? That's, that's what the void I perceive in my life now. It's like, dude, I got to make this coaching business the best thing ever. Coaching business, coaching business, coaching business. I love coaching. I love online marketing. I love marketing, sales, like every part of it. And so it would only make sense for me to base a business around that exact thing. Well, I'm going to help other people start coaching businesses. So you see how in alignment that now is with who I am as a person. So you actually, it's interesting. If you look at your story and you, you think, when you think about what you want to help people with, if you look at your story, a lot of the times you might want to help Paul from 10 years ago because you're like, oh, that dude didn't know anything. I'm going to find Paul's 10 years ago. But the thing is, is you're not really excited about the stuff that you figured out 10 years ago anymore. You're more excited about the stuff you've learned in the last like two or three years. So it's actually more potent 
when you want to go out and help people to look at you two or three years ago and what is the stuff that I didn't know then that I know now and help people. So it's like a tighter timeline. I'm going a little bit in the rabbit hole here, but this is how I think about this decision. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask, are you still going to be buying property, buying real estate? Are you still going to be somewhat mingling in it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm still a huge believer in investing in real estate because it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's only about how much money you can keep of that money. There's plenty of people that are high earners that have no net worth, no savings, no cash flow. They don't have any tax shelter, you know, type assets. And it's sad. Like I watch people that make 500 grand a year and spend 500 grand a year. I'm like, dude, you, if you could just live off like 200 and put the rest into rentals, you, you would explode your wealth and your, your freedom and your options to do everything or to give back. So yeah, like as I grow the coaching business, I'm going to invest even more and more heavily than I am now. And yeah, that's, that's totally something I'm going to continue to do, continue to help people to do. I'm just not going to lead with it because the truth is, is it's a lot easier to invest in real estate when you have a lot of money. And instead of finagling and finding all these ways to help people invest with little to no money, which is where most people are, right? Brian, I want to invest, but I ain't got no money, right? It's like, instead of trying to find all these like, like workarounds for that, and it's still risky for them because if the HVAC blows up, they ain't got no money, they have to go get a credit card, you know, to pay for a new one. I'm like, why don't I just teach the right client that I love to serve, people who want to coach and help others, how to make a bunch of money doing what they love, get you to six figures within, you know, a year or less. And then I'll show you how to take the money that you now do have and build wealth with it. Because that's truthfully the path that I took. I did buy, I bought plenty of houses with no money, but I bought plenty of houses when I had all that wholesaling money too. And it was way easier to buy them when you had tons of cash in the bank. So I, I immediately think about people's hang up with, with being a coach, especially people who are young, who might have inexperience or not inexperienced, but lack of experience maybe. And there's always a hang up a confidence level that is their limiting belief. So how, how do you coach people getting through those limiting beliefs and becoming the coach that they want to be? There's actually two angles you can take when you decide to be a, like a thought leader or a coach or whatever you want to call it. One of them is you just go immediately coach people on something, which is like the what you you're thinking about you think of coach like i i had already bought rentals you know and got financial freedom so i was like quote unquote certified you know to go coach people to do that i was legit i knew how to do it i had done it dozens of times but if you don't have any experience at all and you want to go out and help other people the other angle that people take in the beginning is called the journalist angle and so that angle you go out and you could just, you know, let's say you hadn't ever done a single real estate deal and you want to like position yourself as like someone who is like someone to follow when it comes to learning how to invest in real estate. You just start a podcast or a YouTube channel and you go and interview a hundred successful real estate investors and you don't lie about where you are. You go, you go, Hey, my name is Brian. I am on a journey to get my first 10 rental properties follow along here at my YouTube channel where I interview successful investors who already have a bunch of rentals every single week. 
and we're going to pick their brains on how to do it. And I'm going to take action and you guys can follow my journey all the way up. And then you're already building a platform, building trust and authority without having experience and you're not lying about it. So that's a great way to, to get into the market as well. I love that. I, I really do. And um, I want to tie this a little bit into real estate because you mentioned um, having a lot of money is an easy way to get into real estate. Now, I imagine, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, that though with a lot of money, you can make some big mistakes and that's investing in the wrong markets because I, I we've talked about that. Choosing the market is pri the primary ways to in real estate. So what are some, and I, I don't know, and I don't have the answer to this. So that's why I'm asking you. I'm curious to know what makes it a good market for your portfolio? Right now it's markets that are not super competitive or not expensive. So, you know, I, I started out in Nashville, then it got too expensive. Then I went to some markets outside of there. Then they got too expensive. Then I went down to like Huntsville, Alabama. It got too expensive. Now I'm looking at Little Rock, Arkansas. And I feel like that market is better than all the other ones because it's what's called a linear market, which means the house prices are flat and they always have been, right? It just like stays the same. And so a lot of people aren't as excited to go buy there because everyone wants appreciation. Kind of like when you're buying stocks, right? You're like excited about the stocks that are going up. That's just our emotional nature. But all we really want, all everyone really wants from what I hear is passive income. They don't really need to have net worth on paper. They want 300 bucks a month coming in from every house they own that they can put in their pocket. And so I think you need to look at like a boring, stable, linear market like Little Rock, where you can like go on the MLS and there's houses for 40K that you can buy right now, just because of where the market is as we record this here at the end of 2020. That could change. And even a couple of years ago, I was given different advice. I was given different advice six months ago, honestly. This is kind of a recent epiphany where I was just like, dude, this competitive market shit is not working out anymore. It's time to just stop like fighting in the same bloody waters as everybody else and just go somewhere better. Why is that? Well, what, what have you encountered in these bloody markets that makes you want to move out? I guess I'm, I'm asking, competition exists everywhere. What are the specifics of, of why you want to get out of the com competitive market? It's just quite simply that you can't find deals. That's it. Too expensive to find deals. So to give you a little more with that, it's like you, you would go there, you'd look on the MLS, there'd be nothing that made sense from a cash flow perspective. You know, there'd be no positive cash flow at the price you'd have to pay. And then you'd go look at, well, what are like wholesalers selling? It's like the next level deep. And you would find that their deals are being sold at a price that's also too expensive for positive cash flow. And they're not allowing like inspection periods or due diligence or anything because they've got all these stupid mom and pop buyers that are overpaying for their stuff anyway, so they don't like need you. And then you would go and say, well, I'm gonna send some direct mail and find my own deals and you'd get you know three phone calls from like three thousand postcards or something you know of people saying take me off your list if you kept mailing you would eventually get a deal that would be what i would advise you to do if you are in one of those markets but i just didn't want to play that game anymore because compare that picture i just painted to like in little rock you can get deals on the mls you can get deals from wholesalers. And if you mail, you can get even cheaper deals. So all the mar the avenues 
for buying deals are available in a stable linear market where the prices are cheap. Another thing is like population size. So there's big cities like Indianapolis where everyone's like, I think that's a good market for real estate because there's like 30K houses everywhere. But most of those houses are in D-class neighborhoods. So you would never want to own them anyways. So I've noticed that big cities where you have eight or 900,000 people, all the cheap houses are in worse areas. I think it's because they have a more broad like economic spectrum there. Whereas like Little Rock, if it's like, you know, 100,000 people, it's like a smaller town. So that spectrum is tighter. You know, there's not as much dis- distance between rich and poor. It's more like of the same and small towns have just have lower cost of living. They're going to have lower average house prices. And so that I think is key to success right now. So I would say find a market where the population is between 50,000 and like 250,000 people. And the house prices, like you should be able to go on the MLS and see houses for like 40 or 50,000 for sale on the MLS. Population should be flat, not growing, just flat. Because if it's growing, everyone's going to be there. And if, if you might be at that one little window of time, you can get deals, but six months, a year from now, that's going to go away. And you'll have set up all your property manager, your contractor, and you'll have learned the market and you'll have like found private money lenders and wholesalers and all this stuff. And then now you can't buy there. And so you did all that work for nothing. I've done that like so many times. I have rentals in all these different cities that I can't invest in anymore. And I'd rather look for somewhere that I could scale. So this is basically the stuff you're teaching now moving over. You're going to be teaching this on the back end to people who, who want to create a coaching business and create this revenue and showing them, hey, this is how you can move your, your revenue over to passive income portfolio, right? Yep. But I, I want people to, to reach out to you because your course on the coaching part, I thought was great. I mean, I, I learned a ton on how to sell people on a consulting service. How can people reach out to you? Yeah. And I'll just tie all this together real quick. So something I didn't mention on the recording is you guys are kind of confused about like, where does starting a coaching business kind of fit into creating financial freedom or passive income? I have come to believe that if you have a financial freedom number, if you're like, dude, I got to make $10,000 a month, I could live my perfect ideal lifestyle. There's two ways you can do that. You can do it through passive income. You're going to have to have quite a number of rentals to hit 10K. Or you can also throw in what we call passion income, which is doing what you love, doing what you would do anyways, if you already had all the money in the world, right? Like you you get excited about it. So if you can make five grand a month from your passion business and five grand a month from passive income, that's actually a faster way to hit your financial freedom number than doing it with passive income alone. So that's why I decided to start helping people start these passion businesses. If someone wants to be a coach, they they have a calling, they have a mission, they want to start a client-based business and grow it to six figures a year. It's actually relatively easy. You have to follow the right model though. There's so much confusion and misinformation out there. You don't just post on Instagram and get, you know, make $10,000 a month as a coach. It doesn't work that way. But yeah, if someone wants to learn exactly how I do that, just shoot me a DM on like Instagram or Facebook. Just search for my name, add me as a friend, and um, we can go from there. Let me ask you this. A lot of people, their objective when they first read about Kiyosaki and all that, they get into it. Their objective is just to quit their job. So 
screw your passion. I just want to quit my job. That's my passion is quit my job. I don't know. Let's, let's talk about that. Is that, is that something that can move? And we talked about this a little bit, but is that something that can move people to continue doing real estate or what's your advice to them? Should they get into building a passive income now until they figure out what they're passionate about? If the, if people are just like, man, I don't want to do any of this passion stuff. I just want money. Like you said, that's fine. Just go for it. Just, just do something to make money then like do whatever makes the most money, the fastest in an ethical way, you know, to get yourself out of that job, but more importantly, out of that mindset, because I believe everyone does have more to contribute to the world if they could kind of dig deep and unlock it within themselves. But like, if I had to start a business model that was just about money and it was like real estate related, I think I would honestly probably do fix and flip, not wholesaling, because it's so similar to buying rentals. Like, and if you're just like, you need money, we'll flip houses because you, you still find a deal. You can go in one of those linear markets market for deals, get them under contract, find the money to buy it, find a contractor to fix it up, and then you can just sell it instead of keeping it. So same process, but you sell it, make 30 grand, 20 grand, whatever, instead of keeping it as a rental. And you can do that a few times a year to pay the bills and then quit your job and then start to keep some, flip two, keep one, flip two, keep one. I know a guy who does that. I'm sure everyone that's listening here wants rentals, they want passive income. I think you should do that. It's an awesome thing to do. If you build a flipping business, it's almost the same thing as building a rental business. It's just with a little bit of a different, you analyze it differently, you rehab it differently, you sell it instead of keep it. But that's so identical almost to rentals that I would probably do that if I had no rentals and I really just had no passion and I just needed money. That's what I would do. Awesome, dude. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on here, dude, because uh, you know this is a whole different spin on things. And um, I'm glad we got to hear about, and I can relate because it's not just about passion. It's about doing what you enjoy doing. I mean, passion, that passion could be all kinds of definitions for it, but, yeah. but ultimately do you enjoy doing what you're doing? And um, I'm glad to mm-hmm. see that you're, you know, you're shifting into to things you love doing and, and hopefully my audience got a kick out of that too. So thanks for having me, man. A lot of fun. All right, man. Thank you. All right. That's another episode in the can. And stay tuned for the next one and my marketing tidbits every single week on the Deals of Day podcast. Make sure you subscribe, you rate it, you review it, and you share it, please. It keeps me going with this. It gets more guests on the show. And if you haven't, if you're not on my email list, go to realestateaudios.com, subscribe there to get onto my daily newsletter where I give daily mindset, business, marketing, copywriting tips, all for real estate investors right there and any special gifts I'm giving away. Go on to realestateaudios.com. <laughs>